Welcome to episode number 20 of the Mastering Marriage Podcast. And guys, today we're doing things a little different if you can't tell by the intro. Now don't worry, Mandy will be back doing the intros, but we have a different type of show for you today. Actually, uh, we're not going to do any answers or question and answers. We're just going to give you a sneak peek into one of the episodes that we have for our members. Uh, we're going to give you part of the uh, episode that we did uh, so that you can get a detailed perspective of why we almost ended in divorce. That's right. We're going to give you guys all of the juicy details regarding what led up to us almost having a divorce in our marriage. So hold on tight, listen up closely, and I'll talk to you later. Have fun. All right, so of course, you know, David and I, just to give a pretty quick version, um, we met when I was in graduate school, and David was actually working at the college. Mm -hmm. And um, pretty much, you know, we both saw each other, we both liked each other, and we ended up getting together. Um, prior to us getting together, we were both in relationships. Mm -hmm. And then after those relationships were over, we were together in a very short amount of time. And, and that's important to say because we didn't even heal from our prior relationships prior to us or our previous relationships prior to us getting together. Right. Yeah. Which was... Which we would actually, of course, find that out later. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we ended up getting together. We pretty much dated, and we were in a relationship for about nine months. Well, let's say before we we dated for about two weeks, and then we started courting. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Just so saying. dating, meaning that we were, quote-unquote, talking yeah. for um, just a couple of weeks, and then we made it official. And then after we were a official couple, we she were together. She made it official. She asked me out, y'all. Actually, no. <laughs> and we'll go through that at a later date, maybe on one of our calls. But anyway, we were together for um, about nine months. And then David proposed after nine months. So mm -hmm. that just tells you who actually had the upper hand Pop right the there. Question. <laughs> Pop the question. All right. And then we were engaged for about 11 months before we actually got married. And so everything pretty much flew by very quickly. Well, and, and I think before you go to the your next point in our lifeline, we should talk about the engagement process. Right. Because I believe that with, with Single But Ready, we talked a lot about the engagement process, the dating process, the courting process. But sometimes I think the people that are married, they, they miss out in this phase, phase. Because, for instance, with us, when we were engaged, our focus was not on the right things. Now... Hindsight is twenty twenty. So when we were there, we thought we were focusing on the right things. But like, and maybe you can speak to us. But I know for me personally, I was focused on getting our house built, and you, in my opinion, was focused on having the beautiful, the most beautiful wedding that we can have, right? And mm -hmm. so I think instead, what maybe should happen? Well, no, not maybe. What should happen is that while you're engaged, and this is obviously for people that are engaged. Uh, but while you're engaged, you should be focusing on developing the foundation for your marriage and planning for the obstacles and storms that often come. We didn't do that. Right, right. And so and we can talk about that in a little bit detail as we get closer. But go ahead, Mandy. I think also we both came in with uh, with expectations. Oh my gosh. Yes. With expectations and an agenda already lined up. And so what happened was, you know, I already knew that, okay, I wanted a man of God and I wanted a guy who was successful, good looking. I had my list. And yeah, then yeah. David also had his list of wanting, you know, this strong, you know, driven, 
you know, wife that mm-hmm. was going to lead the family, you know, into the frontier. But <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but but you know, pretty <laughs> much we all had our we both had our goals and mm-hmm. and our expectations already. And so, you know, pretty much we just checked everything off of our up off of our list. Yeah. Um and we said, "Okay, we we definitely think this is going to work." And so pretty much we were going off of using that list first. Um, and not really actually digging into the deeper things that we needed to, you know, go into before we actually got married. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And and then, so, so we're engaged. We get close to the wedding. We get focused on the wedding, focused on getting the house built and then we get married and then what happens? Well, 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 no, no, we skipped a part because when we were engaged, when we were dating or no courting, we were more physically affected, affectionate. In that phase. You want to talk about that? Because I know that really struck a chord for you. Yes. Um, I'll just give briefly a little bit of background for myself. I know that for me coming into the relationship and, you know, before the relationship and growing up, um, I was definitely a person who enjoyed physical touch. I came from a family, you know, who was very affectionate, lovey-dovey, hugs mm-hmm. all the time. And that was just my background. Um, and so I was, you know, used to that type of thing. And um, then also before I got with my husband, you know, I didn't come into the marriage a virgin, you know. So I mm-hmm. had already experienced, you know, having sex outside of marriage and things that I liked and things that I wanted. And, you know, from from guys who may not have actually really wanted to, quote unquote, wife me. They just really wanted to, you know, make sure that I was feeling good and in a physical way. And so, you know, I was used to, you know, a physical type of relationship. And so then when David and I fast forwarding, when we got together mm-hmm. um, and we started, you know, going together and being in a relationship, you know, even though I wanted to remain um, celibate, celibate, you know, we did go ahead and start fondulating. <laughs> That's the word. David's doing a good job of uh, filling the blank here. Uh, helping, you know, help me. <laughs> So we did have a time in which we, you know, we started the touching and the feeling and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to let David take it from there But because we, we stopped that. Well, and this is when I had a come, come to Jesus moment for myself personally. And I, I didn't want what I did. See, my intentions were pure. I didn't want to tarnish my marriage by behaviors that I knew weren't considered holy. And so... I made the grandiose decision to stop everything, cold turkey, you know, (laughs) from kissing and holding to fondulating everything. I mean, because I was like, I want to make sure that I am the right guy for her. And I I don't want to go. I don't want to bring anything negative into our family because I don't want to contaminate our future with our present or past behaviors. And so my motives was pure in that sense. But. The way I went about it was completely wrong. And what happened was, because this was Mandy's love language, and because, well, at the time it was her love language, and because Mandy was, and she probably wouldn't admit this on air, but she was a very physically codependent person. Like, Mm -hmm. she relied a lot on the physical affection that she received from someone else to affirm how she felt about herself. Yeah, I don't have a problem admitting that. Okay, good, because I was going to call you out anyway. Because this is for our members. We got to yes, get them raw. Yes. I mean, I will say that, you know, that is still a part of my love language. But I think that at that particular point in my life, I had a, a healthy, uh, I'm sorry, an unhealthy, unhealthy 
um, dependence on physical touch. Yeah. You know, if I wasn't being touched or held or something like that, then I, it's like I almost couldn't function. And when I say couldn't function, it's like I, I couldn't be happy. Yeah. You know, I felt lonely and I felt... Unloved. You know, unloved if I didn't have, you know, somebody, you know, holding me and kissing me and doing all those different things, you know, especially from a man, you know, from a guy. And and because I knew that, I didn't want to enable her. I didn't want to be that thing or that guy that Mandy put before anybody else. And so, like I said, I saw it. I just didn't handle it the right way. And so what I did was I stripped, I stripped everything from the relationship. And then when once we got married... And once everything was legal, I couldn't turn that switch back on. In the beginning, it was difficult because I had I had programmed myself so much and for so long to say that all these things that we were doing was illegal. That the moment we got married, it was hard for me to get back into that same frame of mind. Now, now we can get to the juicy part because that's that was that's kind of juicy. But let's get to the juicy part. You want to take this juicy part, or you want me to take it? You, you want me? Start okay. It out. All right. So, so because here's here's what happened. I guess the best thing we can do is we can share our own experiences, and we've talked about this before. But here's also what happened in the beginning of the marriage for me. So when I first met Mandy, she was very motivated, very clever, very driven. She was a very snappy person. So whenever I had something smart to say, she was able to come back with it really quick. I saw her as a very secure, uh, very strong-willed and independent woman. The moment we said I do, though, my perception of my wife changed because of our experience together. Mandy became something different to me. Uh, I didn't see her as strong and independent. I, I saw her as a very needy, a very, uh, I guess, insufficient person when it comes to being self-sufficient. I saw her as not being able to make a decision without asking me or needing my input. Um, or And I also saw her as someone who needed my validation. And that became very unattractive and unappealing to me. And for me, this is just my experience. And Mandy will talk about hers. But for me, I started to drift out of love with my wife. I started to drift out of love with her. And I started to lose my desire to be around her. Uh, when she used to be very optimistic, I noticed that she had a more pessimistic quality towards her or a more pessimistic nature. And when she used to be strong-willed and able to make a decision by herself, I saw her now as a wife that, like, for instance, and, and Mandy, Mandy doesn't mind me talking about this, but, like, when we got our first house built, you know, you remember what we used to talk about, though, the walls, we the, the house never was decorated. Our very first house together was never decorated, right? And it was never, uh, we didn't paint the walls together and we didn't decorate it and, and tailorize it. And I, I kind of had this expectation that Mandy would come in and she would be the person that had the vision for how our house would look. She would turn our house into a home. And because that didn't happen, I had a bit of a, a, a level of resentment towards her because I was like, I thought this was she was going to do. Because this is what she presented with. Mm -hmm. And so, man, talk about a little bit about your experience. I don't want to tell everything yet. No, that's fine. Um, I guess on my side of the house, uh, just kind of piggybacking off of what David said, you know, he once he turned everything off uh, when we were engaged, it, it did something to me mm -hmm. because it was so pretty much what happened was, you know, he, he turned everything off. He barely held me, barely kissed me. You know, our physical relationship was nothing. And so 
Um, once we, you know, so I, I mean, I hugged her. David, <laughs> yes, Dave, David hugged me, and you know, but I'm, it was I'm very, joking. very, I'm very, joking. very minimal. So yeah. there were times where I didn't even really know if he was still in love with me. But for me, I really felt like he was. I really believed that he was my husband. I really saw his heart and his intent behind what he was doing, mm-hmm. and I wanted the same thing. So, you know, I said, you know what, I'm just going to push these thoughts back. And I know he loves me and he's in love with me, but he's trying to be an honest man. He's trying to be a man of integrity. He wants to enter into this marriage without, you know, us having sex first. And I want the same thing. And Mm so I appreciated that gesture because I had never had anybody do anything like that before. And so I just trusted God. I prayed and I just trusted God that once we got married, once we said I do, things would totally change. And so that's what I, I believed. So for me... Once we got married and I saw that he was still telling me no and pushing me away, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it just really rocked my world. Um, because I just knew that once we got married, I was going to have total free access to him. I can kiss him when I wanted to, hug him when I wanted to. I could get some when I wanted she to. She wanted my body, y'all. You know, I, you know, if <laughs> I wanted him to kiss and lick me up and down, I was going to get it all. All right. Okay. Get it all there. And you know, so and I felt like okay, he he can't deny me at that point. But and, and you know what? And what happened was when we were dating, I got to the place where I resented the word no because even though we were on that path of you know no physical intimacy at all, you know I still would try to hug him more or try to kiss him a little bit more, even though I did not have an intent to have sex, but mm-hmm. he was not having it. He would just, he would push me away, tell me no. Pretty much I would reject him. He would reject me. Yeah. And so that, and so I, I started to resent the word no. Well, after we got married, he started to, he was still saying no. And so, like I said, I did not know how to take that. You know, I was dealing with, you know, extreme rejection. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like he wanted me. He needed me. You know, I just had all kinds of thoughts. So, you know, I I did change. I did shift. That whole situation made me change. And, I, you know, because I felt like, okay, I'm in this marriage now. And he's not the guy that I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, he's still this strong man and everything. But he doesn't even seem to need me or want me around. Mm-hmm. And so going back to some of the things that David was saying, you know, me making the house a home and being strong and all these different things, I was an emotional wreck. I was so rejected at the beginning of our relationship to where I I couldn't function. I couldn't do all those things. I had no motivation to decorate the house and to, you know, be this woman who is making the house a home. I didn't have I was I was focused on what I wasn't getting. I was focused on the fact that it didn't feel like my husband loved me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll just kind of end that portion there. But that's where, that was my, my point of view. No, and that's good. I think that, because for me, the experience was, and I and I used to say this to Mandy, not being flippant, but at the same time, it was kind of funny. I would say that when we met, she presented with, she was advertising apple pie. <laughs> And, you know, you know those cartoons where you get a whiff of the apple pie scent and the cartoon character and they start to float towards whatever Mm -hmm. is emitting that smell, that scent. Well, that's how I was. And I saw Mandy and she was emitting that apple pie scent and I was like, this is it. I want it. I'm coming to get it. And so I went by to get some apple pie. 
And the moment I knocked on the door, and I said, I'm here for apple pie, and then she opened the door, and then she says, come in, I got some good pie for you, and I come in, and I go sit at the table, and then when she come and take the lid off of the little thing that she's presenting to me, it's peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and that's how I felt. I felt like a huge letdown, because I was like, clearly, it's supposed to be different. Right. Um, and, and so what happened was, and, and here's here's the part where we, where we really started to drift apart. Well, number one is we tried to do certain things to add life to our relationship. We tried right. to, you know, we relocated. Uh, we tried to, we we, st- we had date nights every night. Um, in the beginning of our relationship, we even did some things that was helping at the time, but then we stopped and it started to, it, obviously not doing it didn't help us. But we used to have our uh, weekly uh, Bible studies together. Uh, we used to have our weekly meetings, our family meetings, where we would sit and talk about um, any issues that was prevalent. Uh, and at the time, things were good, so we didn't have much to talk about, so apparently we stopped. And yes. as a result, uh, once we stopped, things started to build up, and then we got too busy to start back up. Or I wouldn't even say we got too busy. We, we just, just got too lazy. Yeah, we just neglected yeah. it. Yeah, we just neglected that. And so, you know, long story short is all of a sudden, I started to have emotional voice. I started to develop, or actually... I'd say it this way. The emotional voice that I have always had that never was dealt with, like, and, and namely the loneliness factor. Um, I, I used to struggle with loneliness a lot, and so uh, that started to come back up. And as a result, I found myself drifting towards a distraction with another woman, right? Right. Um, and it became a relationship that was highly emotional, um, and it distracted, it disrupted my progress in the, in the marriage, um, and it started to cloud my judgment. And so, as a result, you know, everything came to light. Because nothing that you do. So, let, let me take a pause and talk to you guys for a second. If if there's infidelity, emotionally, sexually, uh, financially, whatever the case may be, don't think for a moment that you can continue to do it and it not come to the light. At right. some point, sometime, it will come to the light. Because you cannot live a lie and hide it forever. Exactly. And... If you're listening to this, then it is our expectation that you guys are taking the proper steps. Those who are in those type of relationships or having trust issues, you're taking the proper steps to eradicate that and then salvage the marriage. Or you're looking for help yes, yes. doing so. And, and obviously, you know what we offer. You know we offer the marriage maintenance for those who, who need help. Or we even offer the marriage counseling for those who are really in dire strait. Uh, but for our members, this is why you're here. Uh, right. you, you, you're here now to get accountability. You're here now to get assistance in those areas. And so, right. but for us, we didn't have that at all. And I started to drift. And when I started to drift, I just drift way out there. Out there so much so that I started to see myself outside of the marriage. Right. And I woke up one day. I woke up like this. No, I'm joking. I woke up. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, this is serious. This is serious. Stay focused. But no, I woke up and I, I still remember it was on a Sunday. Uh, and it was in February. I'm not going to say the year, but I woke up and I remember telling my wife, because we was planning on going to church, and I remember telling my wife I was no longer in love with her. Remember that? I and, do. And we went and sat in the living room, or not living room, but the dining room table and had a, a conversation about it for a couple hours. But I remember sharing with her that all of the things that I was unhappy with related to her positioning as a wife in this house. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say I just pointed the finger, but I pointed the finger a lot. A lot of it was true, but a lot of it was also hiding other issues that I was dealing with. Baby, you can jump in whenever you want. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, so I told her I didn't love her. 
and I didn't know what to do with that, you know. And uh, I didn't say I wanted a divorce or I wanted out. I just said that I didn't love her anymore. Mm -hmm. And as a result that I couldn't be that sexually intimate person with her because I didn't think it would be fair. I didn't think it would be fair to her. And maybe you got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, um, of course, waking up to something like that, you know, is going to be a hit in the chest for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I knew that we had our problems and our struggles uh, with intimacy and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we were, you know, looking to start a family and everything. And, and to me, you know, I, I thought that we were okay. I thought we just had normal problems. So think about that, guys. Hey, listen to what Mandy is saying. Yes. You could think that things are okay even when they're not. Yes, and I, I'm just going to take a detour and kind of piggyback off what David just said. I know we recently did a survey of over 100 married couples, mm-hmm. and we asked in the survey for each person, you know, what is your overall uh, satisfaction level with your marriage? Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of people give eight. Well, out of one to ten. One to ten. Ten being high. Ten being the highest. We had a lot of people give eights. But then when we asked questions, like the when they answered the questions, uh, other questions in the survey, mm-hmm. they seemed to be unhappy about things. They started to list a lot of things. Yes, a lot about. of issues. And so that was kind of confusing, kind of confusing. But I'm saying that to say sometimes, you know, you may think that everything in your relationship is great and it's mm-hmm. going fine, but your spouse may not. Mm-hmm. Your spouse may be thinking that they want out. Mm-hmm. Or they may be going through something that maybe you don't notice. Yeah. So going back to our story. That's good. You know, so we, you know, David told me he didn't love me anymore. He wasn't in love with me anymore. And um, we had that long conversation. And that started a journey that, honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't trade. You know. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I don't know if I would want to, you know, experience hearing my husband say, you know, I'm not in love with you anymore. But I wouldn't trade the experience because of everything that I learned from that Mm -hmm. and the growth that I experienced and the closer relationship with God that I developed. Yeah. Um, So I am thankful for for that. But, you know, after I heard that, you know, I dealt with depression and I just... I dealt with a lot of different things and it was kind of like a downward spiral for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to turn that around. I had to change my mind about that situation. And we'll go more into detail about how we dealt with with um, our individual issues. Yeah, and it's important to note because I think we probably went through some phases pretty fast that prior to me getting distracted with another woman, I had already had those feelings towards my wife. And I actually had already told her that prior to that to this other person even coming into the into the scenario. Um, but I had already told my wife that I wasn't in love with her and that I was having difficulties connecting with her. Um, but So fast forward, we go through that whole ordeal, um, and then we get to the point where we're deciding, literally, what do we want to do with our marriage? And I did not feel, I felt like it was impossible for things to change, honestly. I, yes, I, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, even after David told me that he wasn't in love with me anymore, even though it hurt, it hurt like I can't even explain, yeah. I still was not convinced. I still was not convinced that it was over. Yeah. Um, I guess you somebody might say, you know, I was in denial to a certain degree, but I but I knew what I knew what God said about our marriage. I knew who my husband was and I knew that the person I was talking to wasn't the full 
the full person of who he was. Yeah. I, I could tell that he was in a hurting place. He was in a darker place. And I just was not going to accept that and accept this situation as being the end of us. And I knew that. And that's why it was so difficult for me to be in that position. Because I knew Mandy still wanted in. And so imagine this, guys. And some of you guys may be at this point that we were at. Living in a house with your wife or your husband. But it feels like you're living with a roommate. And I, I even exactly. said that to Mandy. David was very blunt. Yeah. And he told me, he said, I feel like we're roommates. Yeah. You know, I feel like and sometimes that you're just kind of like a maid. <laughs> well, and, and, I mean, and, yeah, and he it, was very blunt about it. it. He and said, not in a disrespectful manner. No, uh, it wasn't. You know, a, a chauvinistic way. It was no. more of, this is all you do. All I do is cook and clean and... We sit. We may sit and watch TV and eat dinner at the same time and go to bed. And I, I had no experience at that point, you know. And so, and, and so that so that was a difficult part. We were living like we were roommates. And so, some of you guys, those that are in that situation, listen closely, because this is this is really heavy stuff. And that's why we're taking the time to share with you our journey. Now, obviously, we can't give you all the details, but we're giving you enough to let you know that we get it. We feel you. We've been there. And if I, me, David Lamont Taylor, can, whole name. that's my whole name, my whole government, if, if I could sit here and tell my wife that I don't think that I'll ever be able to love her again, like fall in love with her again. I had love for her, but I was not in love with her. And if I could look at her, and well, it was hard to look her in the eye, but I, what I did, and tell her face to face that I could not see myself falling back in love with her, and I was so, so, so sure that that was the case. I believed it. But if I could say that, and today... Be able to, to look at my wife and say that I'm in love with her. You can too. So don't feel like just because you don't love your wife or your husband, it's over. Here's the most important thing I learned about love. Um, and I thought I knew a lot about love. But going through this experience forced me to see love in a different light. And here's what I learned. And Manny can talk about hers too because she got some good stuff. But here's one of the things I learned. That love is a choice. It's not an emotion. As a matter of fact... It's less of an emotion than we think it, it really is. Love produces an emotion, just like it produces a physiological, physiological effect. But love is not an emotion. Love is a decision, and love is a behavior. And whenever I, whenever I used to say I did not love my wife, what I was really saying was I'm choosing not. Hear that, guys. I'm choosing not mm -hmm. to love my wife. Not I can't. Because we even talked, and we had a lot of talks about my chemistry. Do we even have chemistry? Can we get chemistry? That's irrelevant when it comes to love. Because love is not dependent upon chemistry. Love is all about a choice. Exactly. A decision that you would make. And I used to say this to my wife. So what you're telling me to do is go to Walmart, pick a woman, no matter what she looked like, no matter what her hygiene is, and tell her that I can fall in love with her. And I used to scoff at that because I was like, that's impossible. But really, if love is a choice then you can. And that's the part that most people can't fathom, is the love is a choice part. They, and no one said that it's an easy task. Oh my gosh, no. It's not an easy choice. No, it's not. All the time. Actually, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to love agape style. And I'll say the reason why is because as humans, we're self-preserving, pleasure-seeking creatures. Explain to them what... Some people may not know what agape means. Agape is unconditional love. Love without conditions. Which means that, and I said this in the podcast, uh, the, the other podcast to a listener who submitted a question, your love for your spouse should be 100 to zero. Exactly. Not 50, 50 is 100, zero. 
Love, it, and I'll even say it this way. I, I, I say this to my clients. And I, I, I ask them, especially whenever I get a new couple coming to my office, I say, I sit them down and I say, tell me the definition of love. And say it in about one or two words, in the least amount of words as possible. And they'll look at each other and they'll fumble and they'll go through it and say, um, uh, 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 love is, you know, and they'll say all kinds of things. And then I'll say, give me your basic definition of love. And most people struggle with that. And so I say, okay, I want you to hear me. And I'll say this to them, but I also am saying this to you. The most basic definition of love is to give and to share. Exactly. To give and to share. Love has nothing to do with receiving. It has everything to do with giving. Mm -hmm. So when I say I love my wife, what I'm saying is I'm choosing to give her all of me and all of what I have. Now, when you say you don't love or you're not in love, what you're really saying is you don't feel, you don't have those feelings. So therefore, you don't want to make a decision to give. See, you don't need to be motivated by your feelings. If you are, then that makes you an instinctual creature. And Ginger and Dusty, our dogs, are instinctual creatures. They're led by their emotions, their instincts. But us as humans, we have this thing called a will and a brain that gives us access to tap into something deeper Mm -hmm. called decisions and choices. Right. And love is the greatest decision that you can ever make. Exactly. And, I mean, that's that's a really awesome transition for me because I tell you, like, for me, I had to make sure that I stepped back and I approached this situation from a place of love. Yeah. And... For me, being a person who, I'm a very lovey-dovey person, but when this situation hit me, when this situation hit me, I had to go to a different place, and I had to learn how to love like I've never learned before. Uh The feeling of love is what I was always used to, the touchy-feely, gooey feeling of love. That's always, that gooey-gooey. Gooey-gooey? Yes. (laughs) That's what I was always used to, but the decision of love... the decision to love somebody, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I'm not getting anything, mm-hmm. that's what I learned from this experience. Wow. So I had to, I had to first learn to forgive. Now I've never been a person who's been able to hold grudges or, you know, be bitter or anything like that. But I had to make a decision to forgive David. But then I also had to make a decision to to forgive the girl or the woman that he was talking to or was in a emotional relationship with. Mm -hmm. Okay. So ladies and guys, I'm sure that you can feel me on this. If your spouse has ever stepped out on you either physically or emotionally, you probably want to go out and find the person and you want to drag them. You want to drag them in the street and you probably want to beat the mess out of them. Okay. (laughs) But, um, and I went through that, you know, I wanted to go and find out where the girl lived at. But at the same time, you have you have to step back and really realize that the relationship that has, you know, developed with you and with your spouse and with the other person, that is not where it started. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's that's never where it started. It just like David said, you know, it started with a void. It yeah. started with with a void that he had that was not filled. And it wasn't that I didn't feel that void. It was that it was something that he had not dealt with prior to us getting married. It was something that he needed God to feel and not necessarily me to feel. Well, and and, and let me interject because I want to add a little bit, a little different spin to that. 
because everything Mandy said is correct, and I will add one addendum to that, that there was a place, there was a void that is should only be for your wife. There's a certain spot in your heart that only your wife should be able to fill. And I didn't feel like my wife was filling that spot. And because of that, that emptiness became a distraction. And the emptiness was, I guess, amplified by the even deeper voids that I already had in my personal life. But as a married man, you do want your wife to, to meet certain needs. And I didn't feel like Mandy was bringing up the rear in that area. Um, so, so, yeah, just want to add that. Okay. No, and that's that's a great point. That's a great point. So, like you said, the deeper things were not being met that had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And then there were other things that I was not meeting because of the other issues we had going on in the relationship. Exactly. So, again, first thing I had to do was forgive. The second thing I had to do was to change my mind about the situation. You know, and when I say change my mind... All the depression and the hurt and the pain I was experiencing, I had to buck up and I had to say, okay, who am I? You know, do I really love myself? You know, you have to really love yourself first in order for you to be able to love somebody else the correct way. Mm -hmm. And so I had to step back and I had to examine myself and I had to get along with God as well. And I had to say, okay, I don't really think that I really love myself the way I should because I was depending on David to love me. Mm-hmm. And to fill certain voids that should have already been addressed before we got married. But then when I didn't when I didn't meet those needs, it's almost like I validated or confirmed the fact that she's not lovable. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so um, I had to, like I said, I had to reexamine myself. And I had to get to a place where I loved myself, genuinely loved myself outside of David. And then I also had to, I had to reestablish who... David was, you know, who he was in my mind, you know, apart from this situation. So, for instance, you know, in this situation where it was a situation where he was... Let um, me pause you. This is a very important key, guys. And I don't even know what she's about to say, but I think I do. So, I, I really want you guys to pay, especially women, like, pay attention to this part. Go ahead, baby. So, even though that he was emotionally involved with this other woman and he was experiencing this dark season, I had to see him pass the situation. I had to see him for who he who he's meant to be and who he's purposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to see him as the man that I married and the man that I know that he was. Mm-hmm. You know, so in order for you to be able to stand strong in this particular season and for you to be able to get past what's going on and to be positive and want to move forward, you have to look, you have to see him past um, the current situation. Mm-hmm. You have to see him past that current situation. It's good. Um, and then also, you have to know who you are as a couple. What is your purpose as a married couple? Yeah. That's why it's really important that when you get married, and even before you get married, you need to establish certain goals for your for your marriage and a mission statement and a purpose for your lives. Yeah. Because if you know that those things are what bind you together as a married couple, then you'll be able to stand on those things when it looks like your marriage is going to end. Yeah. It looks like your marriage is in trouble. Yeah. So with those two things, I had to make sure I had to, you know, um, declare those things. I had to speak those things into existence, even when I didn't actually physical physically see them, Mm -hmm. you know. So David was 
everything that I said, it seemed like he was combating. Everything that I said, like, you know, I know that we can make this work. I know we're supposed to be married. It always seemed like he was disagreeing with everything that I said. And he, and David really probably should have been a lawyer because he was making a good case. He was making a good case as to why mm -hmm. there was no way we were going to make it. Mm -hmm. And it was like daggers to me. But I knew that we were supposed to be together. I knew we were supposed to work it out. And so I had to, again, I have to, I had to establish those things and I had to stand on those things, even when everything looked like, you know, everything looked like it was going against that. Mm -hmm. um, also, I had to make sure that during this time that I was separating myself from anything that was going to be a distraction or negative. So I know that you know, as women and even as, as guys, you know, we have the love and hip hop out there. We got the, you know, being Mary Jane, you know, that series. And you got a lot scandal. of, you got scandal. You have a lot of series out there where infidelity is praised, you know, and it's like, we're on the side of the woman who's the quote unquote side chick, you know? And so when you engulf yourself in those types of, of shows and you just deem it as quote unquote entertainment, you know, you're, you're almost kind of fooling yourself because you are, you know, exposing yourself to, you know, that type of lifestyle and that being okay. And it's okay to just to do, to do whatever you want to do in a relationship. And so I know for me, I was never really into all of that, but I made sure that I wasn't watching anything that was going to, you know, comp compromise my, uh, my mindset. You know, even with these love stories, like the notebook and all these different things, you know, it's like, okay, the chick flicks, the chick flicks. No, <laughs> you need to go ahead and dump those as well. if you're going through something like this, because mm -hmm. then what's going to happen is you're going to create a false reality yes. and you really need to stay focused on rebuilding your marriage and, you know, developing your own love story because your love story is not going to look like that. Yeah. You see? That's and good. so the last thing is, you know, just being intentional. So if you are a man or a woman and you're going through this and your spouse is feeling like they're not in love with you, but you're really trying to fight and pull for your marriage, you need to be, you know, you need to have, um, you know, songs and you need to have maybe scripture or you need to have positive sayings. You need to have things that you are saying over yourself on a regular basis, you know, because if you fill yourself up with things that are positive, then when those thoughts try to come into your mind that, you know, I know I can't do this. Maybe we should get, maybe he's mm -hmm. right. Maybe we should get a divorce. Those things, those positive things you've already built yourself up with will push out the negative. Well, things. and if you're not strong enough to do it for yourself, get around somebody who can do it for you. Which was going to be my next, which I'm, I'm be already me. I'm, I'm is already there. Reading her mind. But that was going to be the other <laughs> thing as well. You need to surround yourself with optimistic people, yeah. with people who are for you and for your marriage well, and, and yeah. who can also be objective. That's key. Find people that's objective. Not people that's just going to take your side. Find people that's objective. Exactly. That's good. Exactly. Really good. So those were just some things well, that, that, that I, you know, put in place during that time. And those, uh, if you need to rewind, please do so. We don't have enough time for me to go through mine because uh, I want to be respectful of the, you know, time period for the podcast. So what we'll do is I think we're going to have a part two to this series. Yeah. I think we're going to have part two and give more content regarding more tips, more coaching tools regarding what you do, what you can do 
as a wife in that position and as a husband in that position. Because I would like for Mandy to kind of go a little bit more deeper into some of the things she talked about. And then I'll also have an opportunity to share some of the things that I did to, to turn my situation around and to get myself back into the household and into the relationship. All right, so I hope you enjoyed all of that information. I hope you were able to listen to it. I know it was a little over 40 minutes, so that's a little bit longer compared to most of our shows. But guys, we're giving you all of the details, unedited, unscripted, raw, and real, just so that it can help your situation out as well. We worked hard to get to where we are. We still got a lot to go, and we want to bring you guys along for the journey. So anyways, thank you for your time. Look forward to our next episode and uh, feel free to leave your comments, your reviews. Uh, make sure you're subscribing. Make sure that you're leaving your rating and reviews on iTunes. We are going to get to the top spot. We are going to get there, guys, with your help. But anyway, we love you. We appreciate all of your support and we'll see you later. Deuces.